Hey, thank you for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Rico. Our hope is that today's message adds life and power to your journey as you grow. Thanks for joining us. Amen. We are, uh, we are indeed blessed. We are indeed excited uh, for this whole month, but, but today in particular, uh, because this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice in it. Um, in addition to that, we are excited for today because we are going to be partaking in something special as a church family today, and that is communion. Some of you may have uh, come this morning and saw some chairs lined up outside. Uh, what do they got the chairs down there for? And the mats and the ground and the water? That is uh, foot washing. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, but it's um, a faith tradition that we really enjoy as Christians that is typically partnered with the partaking of communion. And that's what we uh, are doing today. Uh, so I'm going to deliver a, a, a shorter word today by the grace of God, and then uh, and, and we will partake in that today. And just just for some some thought behind it is next week is Easter, right? Next week is Easter, and we uh, Easter is obviously a significant holiday. In fact, it's larger than a significant holiday. Easter is uh, an event that split all of time. Uh, it is the, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ that we are celebrating, and so we have a lot of special things planned for next week, and many of you I know have been inviting all of your friends and your family, because that's what I've been yapping at you to do for the last few weeks, and today we are going to be uh, continuing that in the Word. Uh, but before I pray and jump in, I just want to ask if you can raise your hand last week. If you were not here last week, you probably did not get one of these, okay? It's simply a Relove pen. It's a spaces sticker and a small packet. If you can raise your hand, we just want to make sure that you have one of these small packets in your hand. You're going to need these. Uh, you needed them last week, but you weren't here last week. We love you anyway. Uh, but you, you're going to need them for the next five days, um, uh, the next five or six days anyway. So thank you guys. Just keep your hand raised as you see uh, Miss Jane come around. We want to make sure we get these in your hand. In this little uh, plastic packet, there are, I believe, 10 small little invite cards. This is just uh, an invite card that has some information that you can share with a friend or a member of your family who you would like to invite to church next week. It has some, some time information on there as well. And then uh, the other thing that's in there, this little blue sticker, call this a spaces sticker. We've had these since the beginning of the, of the year, and many of you, we're almost out, which is good. And what we've been challenging our church to do, uh, in 2022, what we're doing is we're being intentional about creating connection with other people. And we're doing that because largely we feel very disconnected as a church, as individual families, as members in society. Uh, COVID did a number on us. And so we wanted to be intentional this year about creating spaces where the Holy Spirit can move in us and move through us. And in, in, in the New Testament, Jesus actually promised his disciples that where two or more are gathered, so the Spirit will be with them as well. Which is why we have these spaces stickers because we want to know who you have been connecting with. That's what these are for. So today what I'm going to ask you to do, and what I asked you to do last week specifically, is, is write the name of a person you've been connecting with or the name of a person that you plan to invite to church next week. And we're going to be spending some time today and next week praying over all of the names on our Spaces banner, because what we've been doing is taking these, peeling them after the service, and just sticking them right on the banner out there. So uh, just a quick little intro for you guys. As I'm preaching today, as we're, as we're engaging in communion, please be thinking about a person that you've been connecting with who you would like to uh, provide the opportunity to come experience Christ next week in a special way. Let's jump into the Word. We're going to be preaching uh, from Matthew chapter 4 today. Well, I'll be starting 
in Matthew chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at verse 18 and uh, 19 and 20. And I'm reading from the New King James Version uh, for this one particularly. This is the one that I think a lot of people maybe find most familiar. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Someone say fishers of men. Someone say fishers of women. Someone say fishers of people. They immediately left their nets and followed him. This message is entitled, Go and Tell. God, we're grateful for the opportunity today to be gathered here at the fellowship and to dive into your word, speak in us, and use us uh, this week through the way your spirit moves uh, through the deliverance of your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of us as Christians are familiar with Matthew uh, chapter 28, 18 through 20. It happens a little bit after that story that we just read. It's toward the end of the book of Matthew. Uh, but we're familiar with something called the Great Commission. And if you think about what that means, the Great Commission is co-mission. Which means there's a mission, there's work, there's labor that needs to be done, but co means that you're being invited to be a part of that. And last week, uh, the, you heard, if you were here or if you, or you're listening online, uh, you know, our really big push last week was come and see. And we went through the story in John where we were talking to the disciples and or we were looking at where the disciples were being invited by Jesus to come and follow. Jesus didn't explain who he was, he just said, come and see. Then you see the disciples repeat that when they go and invite people to go see hey, 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 listen, there's this Jesus guy. You got to see him. Jesus, does anything good come from Nazareth? There's no way this could, no, let, just come and see, right? So last week we talked about the realities of how difficult it can be to invite a person to church or how difficult it can be to just be public with your Christian relationship because oftentimes we feel like we don't have the answers. We don't, we don't know, um, you know the, the best way to answer people's questions or we're judged or sometimes we feel like we're put on a pedestal. There's a lot of reasons why you may not want to invite a person to church, but last week we talked about the power of just inviting someone to come and see. Last week I ate a cheese chicken barbecue sandwich on stage. And you missed it, because I ate almost half of the, like almost the whole thing. I cut it in half, though. Someone else got the other side. But the, the point behind that is, listen, Jesus isn't something to explain. Jesus is someone to experience. And so as I'm up here eating this burger, you guys are hungry. You know I've been up here preaching too long already. You guys, were, you were wanting it. Your mouth was salivating. And that's what your relationship with Jesus should look like to other people. It should be something desirable. And so you want to invite them to go to this restaurant. You want to invite them to come try this certain food. You want to invite them to be a part of something that you can experience better than you can explain. Now today, I want to focus a little bit more on our commission to go and tell. The Great Commission says, Go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises that he will be with us throughout all of the end of the age. Now we as Christians have to realize that is not something that he told only to his disciples. That is something that applies to us 2,000 years after. That is something he is telling Relove, both the promise that I will always be with you, but also the, the, the commission, the purpose that he placed within us to go and create disciples. And so when I, as, we're, as we're talking today and you're thinking about people in your life who you may want to just ask to Come and see, guys. Just come and see next week. Yeah. Or, or, or you may have someone in your life who you're like, man, I know this person is going through it. They're, they're, they're having a hard time in their marriage. Or, you know, I connect with this person at work. Let me go and tell. 
Let me go and tell them. And Jesus had two forms of ministry. He had the come and see version and he had the go and tell. Next week is come and see. But I want you all to feel comfortable with going and telling. And what we see when we look at Matthew chapter 4 verse 18, where we started, where, 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 where Jesus is, is inviting um, Peter and his brother to come and follow him. What we see is that, that, that he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. In that statement, there are two things. There is a promise and there is purpose. Okay, there's promise and there is purpose. The purpose is that Jesus commands your action. Jesus is telling you something to do. Come and follow me. He's telling you something, right? But then there's purpose that he instills within them and says, if you do that, then I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to give you a job as well. There's both promise and purpose. It's both a descriptive and a prescriptive statement. It's descriptive because it says what will happen if you follow. It describes what a Christ follower looks like. What does a Christ follower look like? A Christ follower looks like a fisherman. But it's also prescriptive because it says you're not just going to be a fisherman unless you follow me. So it's prescribing action in your life. And my first point today is very simple. I want you all to understand that you are not called only to follow. You are called to fish. You are not called only to follow. You are called to fish. Now, I just want us to be honest today. And I kind of want to get in your grill about it because the truth is you can't have one without the other. If you're a follower and you're not fishing, you're not a follower. If you are a follower and you're not fishing, you are not a follower. What Jesus did not say is come and follow me and I will make you better. What Jesus did not say is come and follow me and I will make you a great husband. Jesus didn't say come and follow me and I will promote you in your job. Come and follow me and I will give you patience. He could have said a million good things. Come and follow me and I will teach you how to pray. Come and follow me and I'll show you God. He didn't say that. None of those things did he say. He said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. If you are following and not fishing, you are not following. In fact, many of us live the life as if we are followers, as if we are fishers. We come to church and we love church, but we don't ever bring anyone with us. We don't talk about what's happening at church to other people in our lives. And I really want to challenge that because then I want to ask you, are you really a follower then? Or are you just a fan of church? There's a difference between a fan and a follower. Kyle Eidelman wrote a book called Not a Fan. And in it, he really explains the difference between a fan and a follower is that a fan, they know the teams. But a follower, they know the players, they know the stats, they know the schedule. They're committed there's a difference between a, a, a fan and a follower. Are you just a church goer, someone who loves it, really enjoys it, but you leave these doors and keep that to yourself? If that's the case, you're a fan. You're not a follower. Because fans are in it to get a blessing, but followers are in it to be a blessing. Fans fluctuate, but followers are firmly planted. Fans want the gift, but followers want the giver. Which one are you? The Bible does say that we are saved by grace through faith. But the Bible also says in James chapter 2 that faith without works is dead. So it's a fine balance that we really need to, we really need to walk there. Uh, see, anybody can be a believer. You can have faith. 
But not everyone is both a believer and a follower. Are you with me? Are you with me? Because while anyone can be a believer, a follower isn't a matter of believing. Following is a matter of movement. If you are a follower and you're not fishing, you are not a follower. What I love, though, is that God does not just send us out here on this mission to do our thing on our own and just kind of hope it all, it, all, it all works out and comes together. In Romans chapter 10, he makes a promise. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, Jesus makes a promise that we as Christians, as fishermen, should really hold on to. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say some of the people. It doesn't say um, every other person. It says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Why is that helpful for you as a person who fishes? Because it tells you that saving is not your job. This is the promise that, that, that Christ is making to and about the people that you are connecting with in your spaces. Now, I love that this is a promise, and this should make us feel real good, but the truth is, if you continue reading, there's also a challenge to people like us as Christians. And the challenge in the next uh, verse, in verse 14 and 15, it says, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? So, so he's saying, hey, everybody who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. But then he's asking the Christians, how are, how are these people going to call? How then can they call on the one that they do not believe in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how then can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? So the first part, verse 13, is saying, hey, there's a promise that these people are going are gonna, to, if they call on me, I'm going to save them. But then there's a challenge to the church. There's a challenge to you as a Christian. There's a challenge to you as a fisherman that says, how are people going to actually be saved if they're not called, if they're not believers? And if they're not believers, how, how do they become believers if you're not sharing, if you're not calling, if you're not teaching, if you're not preaching, if you're not sharing the word with people, how is this promise in verse 13 going to be fulfilled? You are called to be fishers of men. If you are following and not fishing, you are not following Point number two, hey, fishermen, find fish where fish swim. Simple. Fishermen, find fish where fish swim. I'm going to be honest. Some of us, especially in our faith tradition of Adventism, have done a really good job at building community around our faith. And some of us really come from homes that have done a great job at building community around faith. We grew up in homes that were generationally Seventh-day Adventists. So we understand the culture. We understand the lingo and the language. A lot of us really, really love that. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But at the end of the day, if you are not where fish are, don't expect to find fish. And many of us as Adventists, we love standing back on the bank. We don't want to get out by the waterside. Oh, because we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. So I'm going to stay back here, and I'm going to just cast fish instead of jumping in the water with the net, right? See, there's nothing wrong with the fact that we come from a place where we have a firm foundation of faith, and many of us come from homes where families have taught us how to pray, how to have Sabbath worship at 6.45 and 37 seconds at sundown, and how to close the Sabbath. That's real great. Yes. And I'm not here to demean that. But that's all the more reason why you have so much more power, if this applies to you, to actually be a fisher of men. 
And the truth is, if your faith is not leading you outside of your home, what kind of faith are you following? If, 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 your, if your faith is not leading you to fish, you're actually fo- following a counterfeit version of a faith figure. You're not following the Father. If your relationship with God is not leading you to hurt and broken people outside of your Adventist confines, outside of the sanctuary walls, I want you to reconsider with whom you have relationship. Because a lot of us think we have a relationship with God, but we don't. We have a relationship with Sabbath school. A lot of us think we have a relationship with God, but we don't. We have a relationship with foot washing. And the truth is, there's nothing wrong with these, with these institutions that have been brought into the church. And there's nothing wrong with these emblems and these symbols and these traditions that we use to celebrate and commemorate the sacrifice of Christ. But you have to be careful with who you're actually following. Who are you actually in relationship with? Is it a counterfeit version of a figure of faith or is it the Father himself? Because a lot of us read the word, but we don't live the word. And in that case, you worship the Bible, you don't worship its author. And a lot of us may come off the streets into the church, but we don't ever take the church out into the streets. In which case, you worship Christianity, not Christ. And a lot of us may prophesy, we may cast out demons, we may do a mighty work in the name of the Lord, but we withhold from others the very grace we did not earn ourselves. We are not kind to people. And in that case, you worship the works. You don't worship the way maker. Take inventory, self-monitor, audit. What are you truly tied to? What are you really connected to in your faith experience if your relationship with God is not leading you to fish? You're not a fisher of men, and if you're not a fisher of men, you're not a follower of Christ. I almost feel the need to apologize. <laughs> I know it's heavy, and I know I sound, uh, my tone is a little condemning. I want to shift it and, and, and hope that you feel a little bit more convicted than condemned. Because, see, what's funny is that we usually are condemned the other way. Uh, well, you don't go to Sabbath school, so uh, you don't do foot washing, so uh, you don't keep the Sabbath, so how's it feel to be condemned the other way? <laughs> The reality is, the reality is a lot of us, this describes. When I look around Relove, I see something that's been so beautiful for so long. And I see so much potential. I see so much potential. And I truly believe that that potential is contained in the untapped areas of your heart to truly reach out to your friends and to your family, inviting them to come and see. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a program. It's not about a worship service. It's about an experience with God, and you can have that here. Not exclusively here. You can have that at the bar. You can have that at the hookah lounge. You can have that at at the homie's place on Saturday night. You can have it anywhere, but you'll for sure have it here. Something else I noticed about people who fish 
I consider Peter and Andrew, who were brothers and who were fishermen. Jesus approached fishermen. He did that on purpose, I believe. He chose fishermen. He didn't only choose fishermen because he also had tax collectors and other people on his team of 12 disciples. But he reached out to these fishermen. Something about fishermen is interesting is that fishermen actually learn the environments of their fish in order to be a good fisherman. They understand the fish. They understand that... that, that, it is probably best to go fishing in the morning or the evening because that's when there's the most number of insects around the surface of the water so the fish are rising to the surface. They understand the the, the fish environment. They know that if you fish at the beach, you need to pay close attention to the tidal wave schedule because as the tidal wave comes in or if there's there's heavy rains, it's likely that you're not going to have a lot of fish in that time. The fishermen also know to avoid cold fronts and heavy rains. I'm talking about fishermen who are real, real, real good at fishing, right? I'm talking about my brother, my brother. I got a picture I'm going to put up on the screen for you guys. I have a brother who's, who's, who's it's my older brother. And uh, I grew up fishing with my brothers. My, my, my dad was the first one that probably taught me how to fish. Uh, but my brothers were the ones that really, really gave me a passion for fishing. You would think I'm good at fishing, but I'm not. I suck it. In fact, I don't think I caught a fish since I was this kid's age. This is my nephew. I think it's the last time I caught a fish. Uh, but one thing that I love about fish, and there's something you can take away from this, is that when you're fishing, you're with family. It's the same thing for us, you guys. When you're fishing with Relove, you're with family. You're not called to follow alone. You're not called to fish alone. You actually get to be with family and loved ones. This is my brother. He's got the, look, the, the fish tackle on his mouth, the hook up here. He probably just peeled it off a fish. He's one of them tough guys. That's not, my hands are kind of soft. I don't, I don't do all this. I let him do the big brother stuff. And this is his son. This is his son, Julius, my nephew. And he's teaching him how to fish, right? He's explaining how you put the worm on. He's, and this is his first time doing it. He's never done it. He's explaining where it goes. And behind you can see, you know, the water. We're just fishing in a river. This is out in Michigan. Um, if you go to the next picture, you can see, look, he's explaining. When you cast the line, when you go out, right? And, and he's intrigued. He wants to know. He wants to know, what if, what if we could be a little bit more like kids? I mean, how, do I, how do I share that word? How do I testify? How do I tell my story? What if, what if we had that type of intrigue in us? But he's basically explaining, hey, this is, this is how you fish. My brother is one of these people that really understands fishing, right? And, and, and he, he understands the environments, and he knows, he knows, he knows how, how to... How to how to cast in a certain way, and he knows how to look at the waves. In fact, at this, at this point, um, we're, we're seeing, he just got done explaining to him the, about the, the way that the waves are going, because there's boats that are going by in this water, and so it'll create waves. And so he'll say things like, stop, 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 like let the waves die down first. He's teaching him about the environment of the fish. I want to ask you, what do you know about the fish you're fishing for? What do you know about their environments? Now, if you have only sat in your home with your legs crossed, worshiping at family worship on Sabbath evening, and you've never actually been in an environment outside of your home, outside the safety of the faith culture that you're most comfortable with, how then will you understand the culture of the fish you're you're, you're looking to fish for? How then will you actually understand how to engage in their environment? Because guess what? There's people in your life that are never going to step foot through these doors. Never but they step foot through the doors of your life every single week. But we are ill-equipped to invite them to come and see because we don't ever engage their environments. We're never in those places because there's too much sin over there. Now we become more of a Pharisee than a fisherman. We become more of a person who determines by our own judgment those who are worthy of the grace of God. 
What do you know about the fish that you're fishing for? What do you know about their environment? Are you close enough to the fish to understand their environment? See, Jesus' ministry was incarnational. It wasn't one that he, he blessed people from a distance. It was, no, it was one. John, John, John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And then it continues in verse 14 and actually says that Jesus is the word. Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh, and he lived and dwelt among people. In fact, it was written by an author. Author White says, Jesus mingled with people as one who desired their good, and then he bade them come. He was with them while they were living their life, while they were doing their dirt. He was with them. Then after he had showed them that he's not judging them, that he can love them in in the bar, he can love them in the lounge, he can love them from a distance, he can love them right inside their home. He went to the tax collector's home. Come down from the sycamore tree. I'm coming to your house. And he was judged by the Pharisees for doing that because how dare you be a Christian, a Jew, and go into a home of a sinner? Jesus didn't care about any of that. Jesus went into those places. Jesus understood the environment of his fish. Jesus was where fish swim. You can go ahead and play the, the video. As I'm, as I'm continuing, I just want you guys to get a little bit of a visual as to how this is working. Now, this is his brother, and what he's doing is he's catching his first fish. So this is my other nephew. He's seven years old, and he, this is just on the 4th of July. He's catching his first fish. You guys can see the waves. He's telling him, you got to get close. You got to get down in there. He doesn't say, you got to stay back here. No, you got to get down where the fish are, right? And he's pulling up his own fish for the first time. Look at him. And he, he needed a little help. But this is, his, this is his first time catching a fish, and he was taught by it. So look at the happiness. Look at the joy. He had to think his tooth was missing, too. Look at him. <laughs> look at the joy. Look at, look at, look at the happiness. He, he was able to take what my brother had taught him, what his dad had taught him, and, and do just enough, right? And his dad came in and helped him do the rest. Fishing is not all only your responsibility. I feel like not enough of us experience that joy, that laughter. Did you see that smile? To see a person that you asked to come to church in these waters behind me, that's what it looks like, the feeling in your heart. That's what that feeling in your heart looks like. And you have that opportunity. You have that opportunity every single week, but you have that opportunity even more. We are being intentional about the way we are creating environments next week for people to have an encounter with Christ. Are you in the waters with the fish? Are you at least close to the waters or are you safe on dry ground? This is not a sermon about sanctification. That's a conversation for another day. This is a a sermon about being used by God as you were intended. I'm getting ready to close. This is my my, my last uh, point. It is simply that some people are good at fishing, but anyone can do it. Some people are good at fishing, but anyone can fish. And that was a good example, that video, because my brother's real good at fishing. He's great at it. But even his seven-year-old son could do it. You drop the line in. Hey, come to church next week. You don't got to answer any questions. Just drop the line in. Drop the line in. That's it. Christ does the work. Christ has prepared people in your life around you for an invitation that he's placed in your heart to do. You just need to act on that. And I want you all to remember that you don't have to have answers to the questions. We talked about this last week. What did John the Baptist do when Jesus first came? He pointed to Christ. He told the disciples, look, the Lamb of God. 
He didn't say, hey, disciples, come here. Let me explain to you something that the, that, that the Pentateuch says. When Moses was, he didn't explain anything. He just said, look, your job is not to prove. Your job is to point to the Christ that's in your life. You don't need to have the answers. You don't need to know the things because you know who does. You don't need to know what when you know who. Just get them around the people. Get your friends, get your family around the shoulders of other Christians. Here, at least in this place, where I believe with confidence that they will likely have a positive experience. And I'm going to commission you to not judge people when they come. And I'm going to commission you to not, to not look at people sideways, to actually be kind and inviting. The same way someone at some point was to you when you came here into this church. We just want to recreate a little bit of what God gave us by grace in our own lives. Your story is all you need to know. You don't need the points. You don't need to prove anything. All you need to know is your story because no one can argue with that. And there's another promise that I want to point out to you in 1 John 5, verse 10. And it says that the one who believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. So this is the promise that you already have everything in you that you need to tell your story. You have everything in you that you need. You don't need to do a prophecy seminar. You don't need to do a Bible study with the person. All you got to say is, hey, look, I don't know the answers to that question, but I know Jesus and I know what he did for me. I know what Jesus did for me. You know what he did for you. You know what he did for your family. You know what he did for your marriage. You know what he did for your children. You know how he provided for you and made ends meet when you didn't have enough money. You know those things. That is the only thing you need to be a powerful fisher of people. Is simply to tell your story. The promise is there. It's in your heart. The testimony and every word you need is already there. The people in your life who will never walk through the doors of this church are waiting for you to live that through your story. Even if there's someone in your life that you aren't going to bring to church, you're like, no, I know for sure they're not going to come. Let them still see that in your heart. Last week uh, on Wednesday in my life group, in our conversation, somebody made a really great comment and said, hey, one of the things that makes me so intimidated to invite someone to church is that now there's a heightened expectation for me to look like I got my stuff together. <laughs> And we could relate with that, the rest of us in the group. I know I could relate with that. I understand that that's a, 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 real, a real concern. Um, and I think our, our consensus in the group overall was that, you know, you're not a perfect person. It's true. None of us are a perfect person. You're not a perfect person, but you are the perfect person to witness to the people that Christ has placed in your life. You don't got to be the perfect, a perfect person. You are the perfect person because God placed those people there for that purpose. The imperfections that you feel may disqualify you from people perceiving you as a Christian sometimes are the very things that qualify you. Sometimes what you believe counts you out is the very thing God is counting on to keep you in. We're called to be fishers of men. And the truth is, some people are really good at fishing. Some people really know the scriptures. Some people really are people, people. And they know how to engage people conversationally. But anybody can do this. Fishing is not about changing into something you're not, but rather stepping into the fulfillment of who you already are. 
So as we uh, close this portion of our worship service, I want to to invite uh, Nick and Mike up as we uh, just take a quick look at our Spaces banner. In 2000, or January, the top of this year, we committed to creating 10,000 spaces. 10,000 spaces. And we ask that when you come to church, that you get a marker and a sticker and you slap up the names up here that you all have been connecting with, people that you've been talking to, people that you've been experiencing a space with. And this is not all of them because we also actually uh, have all of our life groups report how many spaces they've created. They have testimonies about the spaces and the connections they've had with other people. And we pray over these names. We pray over those groups and life group. In fact, right now, we are at 3,500 of those 10,000 for the year. And these are numbers that you all have said, I've connected with this many people. So as we close today, I'm not gonna do an appeal. Well, my my appeal is simple, it's very verbal. Take the cards, pass them out, pray for people, show up next week, amen. Amen. But on this, I wanna take a little bit of time right now and just pray for these names. Because there's names up here that I hope to see next week. There's names of people up here that I hope and pray will walk through, not even our doors. We made it easy. We say, you don't got to come in the church. Next week, we're worshiping outside. So you just got to come. And it ain't going to be 100 degrees like it was this week. It's going to be a nice, sunny, no cloudy. Uh, I I was going to have to change Easter if it was hot because I'll be sweating like a shower. So it's outside in the, in, the, in the basketball court. But we want to pray for these names because these are people that I know all of you have been connecting with. And you may have someone whose name is not up on here and you have that sticker in your hand. There are some more at the connections table when you go out. Invite someone to church, guys. Invite someone to church next week. God, I just want to stop and pause and pray, Father, over each name that is on this banner. Father, you moved upon us as a church at the top of the year to be intentional about what we're expecting from you in the movement through us in the lives of others, God. And by faith, names have been placed on this banner, God. And I just pray that you finish by grace what you've empowered us to begin by faith. Father, each name here represents a story. Each name here represents a hurt person. Each name here represents someone who is in need of you. And Father, I pray in a special way over each person on this list. I pray for Kimberly. I pray for Floyd. I pray for Mike. I pray for George. I pray for Jennifer. Father, I, 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 I pray for Rachel. There's one on here that says you. Father, I pray for that person, God. For each name up here, God, we know that you're doing a work in their lives and we recognize and surrender to the work that you're doing. We are not expecting to be the finishers of that work because you are the author and finisher of faith. But God, we are praying that you use us to be a little piece of the story, God, that you use this place, Relove, where we have experienced something powerful and that you, Father, speak through the spoken word next week, that you speak through the community that we experience next week, that you speak through the fellowship, you speak through the conversation, that you visit a person and give them peace that passes understanding. Father, we pray next week that you heal a name on this list, God. Father, next week we pray that you bring someone to a point of decision for you next week. Father, we pray that you embolden, empower, and enliven the spirit in us to bring these people with us, to share the link, God, because we truly believe in what you've done for us and our life which is why we come here every week why would we not share God 
Thank you, Father, for the opportunity you've given us to be co-laborers in your mission. Have your hand in your way over each one of these names. In Jesus' name, amen.